Welcome to the Half Space Podcast. Hi, this is the Half Space Podcast and it's brought to you by St Mary's University Football Coaching and Development Programmes. This podcast is for coaches and will bring you conversations on cutting-edge research topics and discussions on how you can embed these into your coaching. Each week, we will bring you a different conversation with an expert and consider how you can embed the concepts into your coaching. Please follow us on Twitter at the Half Space Pod for a research paper linked to this week's podcast. This week, we speak to Rihanna Galvin. Rihanna is a lecturer in performance analysis here at St Mary's University. She also works as an analyst for Wales Hockey. She reflects on her journey as an analyst and on the use of performance analysis in hockey. Kick us off with just giving us a little bit of insight into how you got into sport and what that initial motivation was for going and studying sport for your undergraduate. So firstly, thank you for asking me. It's uh, great to be back with you. And yeah, so I think I've been the youngest of four and been in a family that is just around sport. I think I had no choice really going into it from such a young age. Um, started off swimming, used to be a county swimmer until the age of like 15, 16, and then GCSE took over. But um, hockey's always sort of been a speciality um, from, I think, secondary school age. So it's once you get introduced to it at the school. And from there then, I always knew I wanted to go into sport, but you don't know which avenue you can go down until you get a bit older and you just you say I want to work in sport I want to work in sport but you really have no idea what is available until you're like 17 18 and even now I'm still learning um but yeah did sport PE A level GCSEs and then from there I think my BTEC sport tutor went oh have you ever considered an analysis I thought oh what's this and then all of a sudden this door just opened um and it started off watching the academy commander academy boys how many tackles they did a game and it went from there so it's always sort of been on the radar since I've been about 17 18 but that's predominantly my first port port call of high-end sports so to speak looking at county level and then going on from there and can I Reflecting back now, and particularly when you're talking to a lot of our students, do you try and almost show them and kind of go, look, this enthusiasm and this passion for sport, there are places for you. There's so many different roles and almost use your experience having come through that pathway to kind of go, look, guys, like I was one of you not so long ago and this is how I've kind of developed. This was my journey. Yeah, definitely. I think well I started my undergrad degree in 2016 and for me it sort of seems like a long time ago but realistically it's not that long ago um but that's one thing I do try and show our students that I was there and I was a bit clueless of what I wanted to go into and it's okay to be clueless yeah you've gone into a speciality you've narrowed down a course a specialized course and a very special industry that we are in but you don't have to stick to one sport, the sport that you've grown up on. If you play FIFA, doesn't mean you have to work in football. You can go and explore. And during my time, I've had my eyes open to analysis and sports like modern pentathlon and archery and judo. And that's never really been on my radar, but it really opened up my knowledge and my love for sport, knowing that there's so many different elements and like little rules for different competitions that are so sneaky but are so important to that sport so it just makes it even better but yeah it's one thing that I always try and embed 
with the, the modules and the teaching and content that it's okay to explore and to develop a passion for sport in whatever avenue that looks like and if they don't know what it is now that's okay as well because they're so young um, and I'm still quite young as well so I, I'm still learning all paths as well so I think that's the best part that we're all sort of learning together. No definitely and I think I wonder whether in terms of your undergraduate experience was that something you tried to do when you were an undergraduate student did you try and kind of try different things both in terms of analysis but also in terms of sports and if you did how how's that kind of informed you moving on so at my undergrad I so for three years I was thrown into the hockey pool quite deep um but being around people as well who were working in other sports I think kept me in the loop um I think that's one of the suggestions I'd make to people is to make sure they've got their loops and connections with different people in different sports as well I dabbled with a few different teams with analysis, but then I still played, which was quite nice. But I didn't really have experiences in other sports myself. I predominantly specialised and I think I went quite narrow-minded on hockey and then from there onto my MRES. But it gave me that opportunity to go on to my master's. So as much as I look back and think, oh, maybe I should have broadened my like horizon around other sports it's also really benefited me now and I'm very grateful for that and what the opportunities have come from specializing earlier in my career but I also sometimes think oh gosh what would would it be like if I was doing analysis in a football league or or something like that Um, so it'd be completely different but then I guess like you say if you are building those links and you almost have that community of practice around you which includes analysts from rugby from football from elsewhere you are able to almost tap into those sources of insight to be like okay how can I bring things that you do to the analysis that I do within hockey yeah and I think I think that is the best part of it and you do sometimes see not often in the analysis world or coaching world that you'll have someone from a different background that is possibly transferable and then they come into this into the industry and they bring this whole new breath of fresh air because they've just got these skills and knowledge from other uh, backgrounds. Like sometimes you see accountants going to be analysts and because they're so clever with how they deal with numbers. And I think that's the best part of it. And yeah, especially with the different sports. And like I said before, attending the British Judo Champs Open and being part of the filming of that and speaking to the coaches and seeing what they do and what they look for is so specific. It allowed me to open my knowledge to the technique analysis and then apply that to hockey where I then specialise. So I think that's the most important part. And I think that's what I'm most grateful for on my journey so far is having that breadth of knowledge and being exposed to it, really. And I suppose it's that willingness as well to put yourself in those environments and not shut yourself off to opportunities by saying, well, yes, I'm an analyst, but I only work in this sport. But like you say, being prepared to go to the British Judo Championships and and film and speak to coaches and, and work with individuals and see what's done in those environments. So obviously you've mentioned kind of judo. Is there other sports that you had experience in that you were able to kind of tap into and 
maybe do like drive-bys of and kind of learn things and, and bring those back to, to your experience within hockey? Mainly, I think that judo one was the most that I had my experience in. Uh, unfortunately, the time that I was meant to dabble into other sports, COVID uh, kicked in over the summer. So, But we were really fortunate to have experiences and discussions with other analysts through Zoom. Obviously, it's not the same as being in an applied environment. But I have had experience with football um, and there was a period where um, I was looking to set up analysis at a university team in Wales and working with a coach on that. Um, and having that knowledge, I think, is so transferable to football from hockey, both invasion games, 11 aside on the pitch. Um, but yeah, I think that's what I've predominantly been in. And like I said, I did specialise very early. <laughs> Um, but I'm still not closing anything off. No, 100%. And I, I think, like you say, sometimes you learn from just being in a room with individuals, don't you, and, and speaking and having those professional discussions. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an actual experience or work experience. And I think that's a message for a lot of our students as well is to say, look, you know, have those critical conversations, have those discussions, find out what people do, because you know what a hockey analyst does what a football analyst does what a rugby analyst does and that's before we look outside of the invasion game kind of category if you like the amount of learning that can be done and the, the amount of development that can be done just by having those conversations I think is absolutely huge yeah and I think conversations and being a human in a professional world is so, is so important no matter where you are just opening a conversation with like hi how are you it doesn't always have to go all straight in what are we doing in training what are we doing on the match on the weekend or something but it's just having those conversations and then networking from that or someone will recommend you someone else and it's it's such a blessing to have that ability to do that and obviously this day and age we've got the digital uh, ability to as well so I think that's really helped us to progress but the conversations are where it starts really and knowing people as well and like a friend of a friend and having good like recommendations always helps but putting yourself out there is probably the only way you're going to get a recommendation and putting yourself into the mix putting your name into the into the mix for whatever it might be even if it's to cover a game on a weekend for a friend that can't do it go for it absolutely go for it and I think that's probably what helped me along the way to be honest. <laughs> I think I think that leads us really nicely to kind of your transition from an undergraduate to, to doing your MRes. And was that almost your mindset when when you went for that MRes opportunity and talk to us a little bit about what that opportunity was and, and what it looked like and, and how it worked? Truth be told, I think I came to the end of my third year of uni and I thought, I'm not doing masters, not a chance of my carrying on in education. I think I was just so tired after doing a dissertation. I thought, I can't do this. And then I had the summer to reflect. And all of a sudden, um, an advert came up and I saw it on Twitter, actually. And it was the Great Britain Hockey in collaboration with Middlesex University for a studentship. But from that, you do a research project. So that was part of the collaboration. So all of a sudden interviews done offered accepted come September moved up to just outside London and obviously from Cardiff and West Wales that's a bit 
bit of a <laughs> different environment to say the least but it was it was quite a big move um especially like when friends aren't up here so I knew it was one of those like professional moves type of thing but honestly I wouldn't have known my friends weren't really around because it was such a welcoming area in GB um so being based at Bisham then so it worked for about three to four days a week at Bisham Hockey well at Bisham for GB Hockey and then once a week we went to campus so it was like a face-to-face learning um with a cohort and other people on my course were actually doing studentships with other companies <clears throat> like Leicester City Football, um, RFU, and so on and so forth. So there were a few of us in the same boat, which was really, really nice. We could understand each other and what we were doing week in, week out. So part of that, and it was it was fantastic. And I was looked after at GB Hockey so, so well, and the opportunities they gave me. And it was independence as well as trying to teach new things and explore new avenues and Amber Lazar, who's there, and she was fantastic at going, oh, Re, what do you want to work on? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Let's set a few tasks in line. So day in, day out, covering training, every uh, opportunity for a match, try and get in there as well, like Olympic qualifiers being on hand and what that looks like. And even just sitting in on coaches meeting and you think this is an Olympic cycle and you're sitting in on meetings with, Olympic coaches and performance staff and everyone around you is working towards the same goal and I think that was the nicest part of being there yes I was doing my master's but I was also part of the team and I think that was the best part of it and you didn't feel like you were just a student they tried to utilize your skills as or like develop you as well and then being that uh, part of GB hockey that was then part of the English Institute of Sport so that's when my exposure to as other sports came through and meeting people from canoe slalom, boxing, you know, taekwondo, and you think, oh gosh, I never even thought about so much analysis being available and people being in these roles. Um, so that was my MRES. And then my research project sort of developed. Um, I think Amber was away in Australia and I was writing my proposal and I started writing my proposal on something completely different and I think I was doing it on perturbation because it had been done in football quite recently but there was nothing really in hockey and we wanted to start breaking down the play and then all of a sudden come back from and we came back from Australia and went I've got a project we've got a fantastic project and I thought I've just written my proposal <laughs> on something completely different but I'm so glad she came back and said what she did because in the end we did a project that focused on four years worth of penalty shootouts so from 2016 and then to 2020 obviously got cut off a bit short and we looked at every single penalty shootout and we tried to find out and we did find out the best combination of performance indicators in order to get a goal so did you turn your back what type of shot what area so on and so forth and from that then we did a bit of attacking and then we did some work for the keepers as well because as we know the 2016 goal came from a penalty shootout so it just seemed quite fitting for future practice really to go investigate that. And I suppose for you as a student and as a practitioner and as an analyst it must be quite interesting now looking back kind of seeing how that research project evolved and really came out of 
some of the things that were being seen on the pitch rather than it being for you as a researcher and as a student, maybe looking at hockey and going, right, well, this is what could be done. And like you said, what research had been done in football but hadn't been done in hockey, but to actually, because you were so embedded within kind of GB hockey, to have those conversations and them come to you and be like, this is actually what we need information on. And then you to not only do the project, but see it right through so that you've had those conversations and you're, you're, you've seen the application to practice in terms of training sessions, match play, that must be huge for you. Yeah, I, th- I think it was quite surreal, obviously, being a bit of a hockey fan and a, a bit of a badger in my own little way. And then just sat there next to Maddie Hinch in the analysis room and watching her doing her own clips and videos and seeing the work of what analysts do day to day. And just from me databasing a few short corners or a few shuffles and then the players going to sit and actually watch them back is probably one of the nicest feelings as well. But like you said, you do see that closure of what we do as a student, how that actually gets applied. And I think if I had any suggestion for anyone to try and do a collaboration with an organization, definitely do it because you see the implications. Instead of it just being written on a piece of paper in black and white, it then gets implemented and people genuinely are so grateful for that research and the exploration of that. Definitely. And I think it's that, it's that end product of research that quite often doesn't get talked about. It's that so what? So we do a great piece of research. We find something out incredibly interesting and then it can be published somewhere and it just sits on a website. Whereas what you've managed to see and what you managed to do within your MRES was take it right through from the conceptualization of the idea, which has come from kind of actual applied problems, if you like, and, you know, situations within tournaments and within matches to driving it all the way through, doing the research projects, making the findings, presenting those to coaches, and then seeing actually, well, so what? We, we know the answer now. We found the answer and we can actually have a take-home message from this. Whereas, like you say, I think some research, it starts off and it's an interesting topic for the, for the student, but it never really goes anywhere outside of being a thesis and, and sitting on a USB or you know, sitting in a library somewhere. Yeah, and I think that's where the collaboration of, even just as as a student, and you've got to put yourself out there. And if you put yourself out there, it doesn't always have to be through the university. Like, go out, say you're going to go get a placement and then say, oh, look, I've got a project that I need to do for university. Would you be interested? And take it off your own back as a student and explore that and whatever it is it's that cliche phrase of what you put into it you get out of it and it really is um and I think that's one thing that I would advise people is if you put it in you will see the end result and you will see the effort and even to the point of now like going back to GB two years on after my MRES still being in contact going back to cover a few training days that's given me the opportunity to stay in the loop like obviously did the I finished my dissertation over the period of COVID which was a bit interesting to say the least to do it from my bedroom but I mean it was still complete and it was still being put into practice then afterwards so it's like you said it's not just being written up and that's it it's and it's great to see it and I think that's the best part is knowing that there's knowledge of what you're contributing to. 
definitely and I think for you I guess what's interesting now is you've actually made the transition into to lecturing and almost you can use that as such an applied experience to to the students here at St Mary's to be able to go well look th this is what I did this is the value that it had and you know not only here's the results but here's how it helped the coaches here's how it helps the players and I, I think that's absolutely huge so I guess one thing I'm interested about is that that transition from being an MRS student then coming to St Mary's but something I know that you do a lot of is you you're still doing analysis and still keeping your hand in so I guess the first question is how did that transition come about and, and what was it that made you really want to step into the lecturing side? I mean, at fit, it was one of those, again, I, I didn't really consider myself going into academia as like an educator, teacher, lecturer. And then the opportunity came about and I thought, if I could apply the experience that I've just had, and I think that's what drove me into wanting to be able to do it. And that bridge between, oh, we can find loads of information out through research, developing individuals, teaching them content, and then having the opportunity of the research as well and being in an applied environment, I think, was what sort of brought the, the light to me of education and higher education. Um, but the transition was strange, I think, to go from one side of the laptop to the other. Like, and be in COVID as well was interesting, meeting everyone on Zoom uh, and then seeing them in person like three months later and you thought, oh, I finally met you. <laughs> um, it's, it's always an interesting one. And obviously people have been through that experience as well. But people often ask me, oh, are you scared to stand at the front of a room and talk to people because you're quite young? And I thought, no, if you come through sport, you're normally used to chatting to people. You might have had experience in coaching. You can have a conversation with people your own age, older, younger than you. And I think if you're not afraid, you can go into it like that. And I think that's how I went into it, thinking that I've coached people my age so I can teach people my age and I can guide people my age as well. So I think that was what most people were surprised about, I think, when I went into this job. And I think I was quite taken back. But I remember my first lecture, I was absolutely petrified. And it was just like this classroom. And I did like an icebreaker about what's your favourite meal deal? And I thought everyone responded really well to it I thought okay that's fine because I've asked them something that is so casual and day-to-day -day, and I think that then eased me into the process of teaching face-to-face because -face I taught online but that's a different kettle of fish again. <laughs> no look 100% it is and I think look I think it speaks volumes about you that you've successfully been able to to make that transition and really bring to life performance analysis and use those examples that you've had whether it's developing kind of your skills as an undergraduate or, or the work that you've done it as an MRes. and I know something that you're really keen to do and that you're still doing is maintain that applied practice so you're not happy with just being a lecturer but you do a lot of analysis as well so what are those additional roles that you have kind of like outside your lecturing and how do you try and in introduce some of those concepts into your teaching? I think that's probably one of the best things of being in higher education is being able to have that collaboration of being an applied practitioner and being an educator and 
I love that combination of being able to bring my knowledge and my experience and go, this is the truth of it. You can learn from my maybe mistake of like not pressing record on the camera or something so silly. But I think that's what I take from it quite a lot. But as um, so I think it's been about four years now I've been working with Hockey Wales and I typically sit on the women's side of it um, and I float between the under 21s and the senior women and wherever they really need me to go I'll sit and do some camps and tournaments here and there but for this upcoming summer now I'll be the senior women's analyst um, and that does include uh, the Commonwealth Games which is really really exciting but Recently, I've been out to South Africa with the Junior Hockey World Cup, where we went with the Wales Under 21s, 23 squad. Um, and through that, it gave opportunity and we sort of made a bit of a project from it for the students to do some individual coding as well. So they get that experience. Yes, it's remote. They're not in South Africa, sadly, but they had an opportunity to learn a different sport and work together and then really get hands-on in an applied environment, but from their comfort from St. Mary's. And I think some of them were a bit nervous of jumping from say football or rugby across to hockey. But once they started breaking it down and went through the process, I think they started to enjoy it and we'll be capturing it and we'll be producing articles to show that there can be collaboration and open your eyes to different sports. You can enjoy it. And the stories come back and I came back and told a few stories about what happened. Like the thunderstorm kicked off five minutes before pushback. What do you do? And the students really enjoyed the, the, the honesty that I came back and said, as an analyst, it's not always going to work, but you will make it work and you always have a plan B, C, D, E, F, G. And yeah, I think it's the stories that they really enjoy it and then being able to just be truthful with them about the real world. Yeah, I think it's that it's bringing to life performance analysis, isn't it? And as much as we can do lectures and we can teach people how to code and create coding grids and, you know, export files and things like this, to have those experiences and be like, well, what are you going to do if the Wi-Fi goes down? What What are you going to do if this doesn't work? You know, what are you going to do if you don't have a power socket? And it's those examples that can really bring to life performance analysis. And I, I think students just, it, it really jumps off the page to them when, when they've got someone with that experience. In terms of Wales hockey, do you find that as an organisation, they're actually really open to supporting you as an analyst and kind of your opinions? Because obviously I know there's some challenges around funding, you know, there's not, loads and loads of money available but actually because of those challenges do you think maybe they're keener to engage in performance analysis support or perhaps get your opinion about how they could do things because they can't just throw money at a problem definitely yes over the past couple of years they've started to open up to analysis and having a, a big pool of coaches and those coaches being open but it's funny, you'll have a range of people who have used an artist once, seen a code window markup once, and then you have someone who will build their own dashboard. So it's, it's a complete different range. And it's always that case of it might not be in a coach's philosophy. Maybe they're a bit more old school and think, oh, I don't need it. So there are still a few coaches who are still adapting. But it's just showing the support that if you don't know it yet, that's at 
absolutely fine if you don't want to use it thoroughly that's absolutely fine but we're always going to video so we as an organization have some data we have some footage to go back on so the, the players can have the visuals for them as well as the coaches but for this upcoming summer we've got uh, an exciting project we're working on in the background um just before the come off games now just to find some more trends and patterns just to put into play and yeah like you said we have like three laptops I think for the seniors and 23 so we do what we can and I'm fortunate enough to have software myself so and being in London and compared to Cardiff um obviously it's not just down the road but yeah we always try and explore different avenues and to the point of coaches using PNG icons on a slideshow to make the visuals better or putting in I don't know a picture of a hockey pitch in the background instead of it being plain we're working at different levels like I said but that it's the small things that are making the difference and that avenue of analysis in hockey world is growing and it's great to see students coming in one of our level six students is been appointed as the 21s boys analyst for this summer and that's fantastic and he helped me on the um junior hockey world cup as being like a coordinator from the uk side so that hockey knowledge he's learned over the course of his degree and now he's been appointed a role and i think that's fantastic um and it's nice at hockey world to see both female and male analysts in the roles and positions which is really good yeah, I think I think that's great. And I think it's something that if we look at a lot of other sports, we don't really see that like it's it is, let's be honest, a male dominated area in a, in a lot of sports. And, and we don't we don't really see that. We also see in a lot of sports that actually the, the women's game in terms of performance analysis is is struggling to catch up. And, you know, in in a lot of of sports and with a lot of teams, they'll be incredibly lucky, even at, at the top top end of some leagues in in Britain just to get their games filmed let alone them be coded and and provided with individual player clips so I think it's it's good to hear that organizations are, are keen to develop and engage and and really develop both the men's side and the women's side yeah and I definitely think that's something that's always ongoing but it's one one positive thing for me and I think it was it pushes the notion of encouraging girls to get involved and whether that be analysis or wherever it is in the EIS, they have more women analysts than they do male. And that's in a leading organization in the UK. And I think for that as a stat to be there, you think we're doing all right, we're, we're on the way. Um, but of course we know that in high performance environments, maybe in football, there are less women higher up, but it's, it's just working at a balance and it's balancing it really. Um, and to have some sort of research on it or to have some sort of statistic as a starting point, I think is really good for us. A hundred percent. I mean, I, you hear it said a lot, don't you? You can't, If you can't see it, you can't be it. And I think to have, to have that knowledge that, that the path to an extent has already, has already been trodden. There's a, there's a little bit of a way that we can see that, that things are changing is, is absolutely huge. One thing I just want to touch upon before we finish, because I'm conscious of taking up too much of your time, is obviously you, you've got the Commonwealth Games coming up, which is hugely exciting. Um, what, as an analyst, are your priorities almost between now and, and when the tournament starts? And then when you're at the tournament, what will your roles and responsibilities look like? 
so now leading up I oh gosh I don't even know how many weeks there are it's not too many though um but it'll be end of July before I know it and I think as as being part of a part-time professional setup it is quite difficult to find time alongside full-time work and and that goes to everyone across the board but we're starting to look at um our attacking sequences and the effectiveness of that so it sounds silly you, you finish work at whatever five six and then you even code quarter of an hour a game just to get that and then statistics come up and working on an excel workbook for a couple of hours does make you quite tired but that's the the aim before the tournament is just to get a few more statistics on what we can and then truly implement it with the girls in a couple of weeks we're going up to Durham for another few games against Scotland so we can then start implementing it at the games and the training there but my roles typically sit as being support for the coaches as well as having my own responsibility of the camera equipment um making sure I'm okay up a tower <laughs> if it's stable enough as well um but just making my workflow as easy as possible and I think that's one thing that's important as an analyst and at the Commonwealth Games it's going to be a quick turnaround being in a tournament is completely different to being in a game on a weekend yeah you'll get it back by Sunday but ideally you want it two hours after the game maximum so to speak so it's just it's one of those and checking everything beforehand double triple checking to make sure my workflow is easy enough and then through that supporting the girls making sure that they are willing to come to me with any questions which they are and it's fantastic to have a great relationship with those the girls and the other staff and collecting information on the, like the psychological elements as well as come into play and for me that's another stage that I haven't yet explored so that's really cool to do but at the Commonwealth Games it's going to be my second biggest tournament big tournament first being Junior World Cup but I think it will be a lovely environment and come off games being called the, the friendly games. It's one of those where it might feel less pressured um, because as a nation, and I know England are working really hard behind the scenes on this, is to make our workflow, make the setup as comfortable as possible. And I'm forever grateful for that, especially in such a high pressured tournament. So yeah, it's, it's just been there for... Well, firstly, making sure I'm all right. So when everything else with analysis and then making sure everyone around me is comfortable with what I'm providing. Is it okay here, the timing? Have you got any questions? And just being open and honest about workflows. And that's one really good thing about the coaching staff at Wales is having that debrief and then that honest conversation of if it's gone wrong, what are we going to do the next day to make it better? Um, so, yeah. I think I think that leads us really nicely to kind of in terms of those honest conversations and building those relationships like like you said kind of near the start of the conversation are those the things that you would be saying to individuals who want to get into performance analysis look these are the things that you need to be doing yes you've got to have the technical skill and you need to have the knowledge of the software but actually it's about people and building relationships with people and making sure you can have those honest conversations. Oh yeah, 100%. And I think that's one thing that I believe that I embed into the group that I, I teach is you need to be able to have a conversation and just 
sitting down with them every week to have a conversation it might be about what they did over the weekend it doesn't need to be analysis doesn't need to be sport and I think that opens their confidence to come back to you and speak to you and well it's, it's great as a, there'll be a colleague of mine in a few years if they're if they become an analyst because we'll be part of the same network but as a student as well I think that's really good for them to then be able to go and have a conversation with another student as well or another staff member or if they're going out on placement they need to be able to be human and have a conversation ask if you're okay um and just to be honest about the workflow and if say for example in class like we go through an excel video and they don't understand we stop the video we work through it that's okay and I think that's really important for students to have that experience of it's okay if you don't know yet because everyone develops everyone's always learning no matter how old you are no matter how many years you've been in the industry things are constantly changing from when I was a student course contents changed massively and for me I'm still catching up catching up now on some of the stuff that I might not have been open to um so de developing the ability to be confident in the conversation and to be honest in terms of the workflow, I think is the best part of being an analyst. Look, Ray, that's a brilliant place for us to finish, I think. Thank you so much for, for making some time for us today. It's been great to, to chat and catch up and best of luck to you and Wales in summer. We'll be keeping an eye out for how it goes in Birmingham. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's been great to chat to you. No worries. Follow us on Twitter at the Half Space Pod.